0: Good morning to the fellowship. I'm trying to find my timer, which you guys will greatly appreciate, I'm sure. You know, I love being at the fellowship. I love your staff. Do you love them? You sure? Okay, you show them that all the time. All right, there we go. There we go. Give it up for them. What's what's amazing about your staff is that they seem to get younger with each incremental year. Have you guys noticed that? More hair thinner, more energy, more spring in their step feel like I've been working with Wade and Julie for, I guess, over 20 years. Um, they're, they're all some great friends of ours. But thank you to Justin for this opportunity. Thank you to you, the fellowship, for allowing me to be with you today. My name is Alec Court. Uh, had the privilege to uh, speak in Mount Juliet this morning, and now the great privilege of being with you. We're in James 3, 1 through 12. And as you're going there, I just want to throw out a few words uh, for you to think about in the context and when they're often said. The first one is, not guilty, or guilty as charged. You're hired, or you're fired. Or in today's case, the company's downsizing, your position's been eliminated, we're gonna have to let you go. That's happening all over the place in corporate America today, by the way. And two of the words that are among those that change the course of a person's life more than most, I do. Or sadly, the all too often heard, I want a divorce. Now think about those words in and of themselves. They're just syllables. They're just statements. They're just sounds. But the meaning behind the words is what is where the power lies. Think about losing your freedom or being granted your freedom. Think about being given employment. We're going to be all right. Or we've got to look for a job. Think about the person I want to have a covenant with for all of life to build a family with is expressing to me that they want that covenant also or they're saying I'm ready to break that covenant. The power behind the words is the meaning and the power behind the meaning everybody say is the heart. So participate with me out of the mouth and I want you to say the heart speaks out of the mouth. That's the crux of the message today from James. Let's look at verses, verse 1 from James 3, 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We got any Sunday school teachers in the house? You know, all of your guys on staff are under that. I was certainly under that when I was at DCA and as a pastor and as a teacher. But really, parents, too. Any of us, as the body of Christ, who is charged to teach, who is charged to bring the Word of God to others... Even if you're just doing a devotional or a Bible study or something, we are held to a higher level of accountability, James says. Why? Well, for two reasons. One, we have to do what Paul admonished Timothy to do, to rightly divide the word of truth, for our doctrine to be sound, and for it to be true, not based on human preference or human autonomy given to the word, but just on what the word says, as it is self-evident. And then the other one is that our lives align with what we're saying. In In just a minute, we're going to talk about how Jesus referenced the Pharisees and how their lives didn't always line up with what they were saying. Think about getting a personal trainer and going online and looking at all their credentials and getting really excited to get to the gym. And man, I'm going to have new, good nutrition and I'm going to get in shape. And you show up and the trainer is not in shape. Okay? That's probably not going to be the experience I was hoping for. Do you have the right to want that from your leaders? Luke twelve forty eight says, To the one who much is entrusted, much will be required. And the character of any leader will inevitably... Be revealed by his words. Dr. Ravi Zacharias is a favorite Christian apologist of mine and he did a one of his great uh, apologetic messages at one of the universities and they convinced their uh, professor I think of psychology to come over from Oxford to hear him and they wanted to hear what she thought and they thought she might say they hoped she might say man He did such a great discourse on Christianity, I want to think about believing this now. And instead of that, when they asked her what she thought, she said, I wonder what he's like at home. She wanted to know that his life aligned with the words that he was saying. Let's look at verse two, which I think is all too widely misunderstood sometimes. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. Now, who's the only perfect man? Jesus, and therefore he's the only one whose words were always perfect. So the scripture is saying we all stumble. We all get it wrong. There's not a person in this room, there's certainly not a person on this stage who hasn't messed it up with their words. And we know that words are powerful because of the condition of the heart. Only Jesus got that right every time. And we are always going to st- stumble, but there's a temptation here that I think the scripture is subtly, warn- subtly warning us of. Now you may say, I haven't stumbled on social media. I've never put out words there that I regret, but I have stumbled in anger. But I haven't stumbled in anger, but I have stumbled in haste. But I haven't stumbled in haste, but I have stumbled when I was irritated. Anybody anybody ever been irritated with anyone? And words spoke out of that irritation? I haven't stumbled in irritation, but I have stumbled in gossip. Oh, but we all stumble. We're all only just human, right? So does the scripture admonish us just to slough it off, shrug it off, and say, hey, we're going to get it wrong with our words sometimes. It's okay. When we read Hebrews 12.1, and if you are a note taker, there's a, a lot of great complimentary scriptures with a message today if you want to write some of these down. Hebrews 12.1 admonishes us to know that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, to, to throw off every sin that entangles and run the race marked out for us by God. And that includes our words, Yes? What we say is so vitally important because it comes from the condition of our heart and people are listening. In 2020, in all the ages before and in all the ages become, people are listening to what you say when you identify as a Christian. When you say, I believe in Him, I follow Him, the words of your mouth take on special meaning. And if they don't reflect the condition of a heart that's devoted to Him, then people might say, well I don't want that that's no different than anything else I know let's look at Isaiah 29 13 and this is what I referenced earlier these people draw near to me with their lips but their what is far from me their hearts are far from me now I was in a group of people recently having a discussion and they said to me Jesus was all about love and acceptance He was all about love and acceptance. He accepts us just the way we are and we don't need to change. And I said, Jesus most certainly was all about love. That part I agree with. But when they were vending in the temple, when they turned God's house from a house of prayer into a den of thieves and robbers, he didn't accept that. When the Pharisees were lording it over the people, being self-righteous and condemning and holding them to a law, that they're a works-based salvation that they couldn't possibly live up to and making them feel like God didn't love them. He said, you're whitewashed tombs, you look good, and some of the things you say sound good, but in your own hearts you're corrupt. And this not not be for God's people. The words you're saying don't mean anything if the life you're living don't align with those words. That's why he called them whitewashed tombs. That's why he called them brood of vipers, and when we hear people say Jesus was all about acceptance, we have to remember that we say to our own children, young man, young woman, when they disrespect their parents, when they say words they shouldn't say, we say that is unacceptable. We hear that at school. Is that right? Is that okay? To say that to a child when you're instructing them? Those words you used are unacceptable. Who's ever done it? It It's unacceptable. Okay, It's not condescending. It's not condemning. It's freeing. For God to say to us, the words of your mouth must be pleasing because they're a reflection of the condition of your heart. And since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, people are watching. Let our words distinguish us apart from the world. You know, I love Christian apologetics. Oh, and I did want to say on that one, Max Lucato's just like Jesus. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He wants us to become just like Jesus. Dr. Zacharias, again, in Christian apologetics, because he's one of the greatest apologists of our age, sadly went to be with the Lord from cancer recently. In any conversation, he could spin it in the direction of validating the Christian faith. He had an Eastern philosopher that wanted to talk with him from India, which ironically he's also from India, and they went out to lunch one day and they were having a conversation and the Eastern philosopher was very agitated with the Western way of thinking. The Western way of thinking being it's either or. Christianity is very either or, he said. It's either Jesus or there is no Messiah. It's either the Bible or there is no moral truth. It's either the God of Christianity or there is no creator God. He said, you've got it all wrong. You need to be Eastern. In Eastern, we're both and. It can be both Jesus and Krishna. Krishna. It can be both Jesus and Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. All roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to nirvana. All roads lead to enlightenment. Your closed-minded either-or is keeping you from the broader scope of the both-and. Dr. Zacharias, in a few words, said, well, I have a question then. He said, yes. He said, so what you're telling me is that it's either both-and or it's wrong. Yeah. Words can change the paradigm. Relativism, naturalism, these are isms that should have been wasms, in my personal opinion, that have led people to believe in today that we are nothing more than the sum of our parts. There's no intrinsic worth. All we are is flesh and bone and an amalgamation of our experiences, and there's no greater meaning to us than that. And it's these same people who believe that that say there is no absolute truth. And in just a few words, you can ask them a really great question, is that absolutely true? You see, so many of these arguments can be deconstructed based on their premise that is nonsensical to begin with. People may say, well, it takes faith to believe in a creator God, but what else do we have? What else do we have besides the God who's nonlinear, outside of space-time, who is himself intelligent and moral, who put all things into motion, and that's where everything we understand in reality comes from it's why we're moral it's why we're intelligent it's why we live in an intelligent universe it stands to reason that that same God sent us a savior and wrote us a letter amen and that's where our truth comes, and that's what informs the truth of our words Jesus was the best at doing this changing the paradigm remember when they came to him to trap him and they said who should we pay taxes to Should we pay taxes to Caesar? If he says pay taxes to Caesar, he's in trouble with his own people, the Jews. If he doesn't, he's in trouble with the law of Rome. He said whose face and whose inscription is on this coin? They said Caesar's. He said then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Because his heart was right, he was never able to be tricked or backed into a corner about truth. One of the great ones was they had the woman caught in adultery and the law said she should be stoned to death. And that was the law of the time. And if Jesus had said stoner to death, he would have just been agreeing with the law. But what did he say? He who is without sin, what? Cast the first stone. And that day, if the words come out of our hearts and the condition of our hearts matter, he caused them to look at their own hearts. And it changed the paradigm. And the greatest paradigm shift of words I think he ever brought was when he said, treat others, you guys know what's coming, treat others how? The way you want to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he came into a very opportunistic, warlike, barbaristic world, and he changed the paradigm. And I'm quite convinced that even today, we're more civilized. We're better to each other. With all the problems that we have, we're better to each other today than we would be if Jesus had never spoken those few words. Contrast those with the words of an Adolf Hitler. I want to raise a generation of young people devoid of a conscience who are imperious, Relentless and cruel. And out of the words that came from that heart, one of the greatest travesties of our history was exacted upon to man. The condition of the heart that informs the words we say is the heart of the matter. When you look at verses three and four, y'all forgive me, I am, did I lose my glasses? Justin, I lost my glasses. Let's see if the old man can pull it off. When we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. We went on a Disney cruise. Anybody ever been on one of those? Okay, we went horseback riding and that horse was very hard to control. His name was Tow Truck and there was a reason he was named that. And he about ran me under a tree and killed me. And I took my students whitewater rafting one town in the New River of Fayetteville, West Virginia, and the, and the water was hard to control with the ship. But well, what's the alternative? Don't go horseback riding. Don't go whitewater rafting because it's hard to control and it's dangerous and it's difficult. We could take that same perspective with words, couldn't we? Let's don't talk about God. Let's don't talk about Jesus. Let's don't talk about the Bible because it's hard, and someone may contradict us, or we may upset someone, or we may say something someone disagrees with, so let's just love Jesus privately and never say anything about him publicly. That is not an option left to us, is it? Yes, it's good for us to live the example of Christ by what we do, that's in James, and that's admonished to us in Scripture, but it is also so very important what we say. How beautiful are the feet, right, that bring the what? That bring the good news. And how will they know unless someone preaches to them? How will they know unless someone tells them? Words are distinctive. Words are also can be destructive. Let's look at verses 5 through 8. Likewise, the tongue... Is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You guys remember the Gatlinburg fire of 2016? This fire spread across 500 miles. It destroyed 2500 homes and businesses and it claimed 14 lives. Do you remember how it started? A couple of young men with matches. Spark and all that destruction. Have any West King fans in the house, Christian Artist West King? sang a, stone, a song called Sticks and Stones. You guys remember the rhyme. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me, but is that true? How many people's lives have been alteredly and drastically changed because of words? For the negative or for the positive? West Song says, sticks and stones and condescending tones, they bruise my spirit and they break my bones. Read these tombstones. Cause of death unknown. Words that kill. Our sticks and stones. There's a series on Netflix, I think, called 13 Reasons Why and Other Reasons to Believe that words coming from the heart matter to the ear. And they can drastically change the way a person feels about themselves, the way a person feels about others, and the way a person feels about God. It's right here in the scripture. They can be very destructive when they come from a heart that is destructive. Now, it's good to know that at the fellowship here in Donaldson and over here in Mount Juliet, nobody from this church ever said anything they regretted. It's so comforting to know that today. Christian comedian Tony Wolf does a song. Another beautiful Sunday, a sports car cuts me off. I could choose to be filled with rage or I could simply just blow it off. Probably wasn't the right thing to do when I ran him off the road. And I kind of felt guilty when I saw his car Flip and explode. (laughs) Well, I don't know what's behind me, but I know what we're headed for. We're going to church to learn about the love of the Lord. But out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's true inside of these walls, and that's true outside of these walls. Sadly, we wouldn't be able to say that no church member ever didn't say something in the parking lot they regretted didn't say something negative about their pastor, didn't caught up, get caught up in some gossip behind a closed door. And if that happens, when people are visiting, they're not saved, they're watching, they're listening, we've gotta think about the long range impact of that. Proverbs chapter 18, 21 says, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Isaiah 6, 5, Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips, and he didn't feel qualified to answer the call of God at first. Moses got mad, and he spoke rashly at the waters of the rock of Meribah, and he didn't go into the promised land. Peter, he said, Lord, I'll never deny you. What did he do? Can you imagine how Peter felt the third time he said, I don't know him, and he heard the rooster crow? Did anybody ever say words they regretted more? You ever done that, church? You ever said something, as soon as it came out of your mouth, you thought, ooh, I'd like to get that back, bring that back in. Words are just words. But we evaluate in those moments the heart from which they came. There are a few sins that don't involve talking. Burdick said, all wickedness in the world is wrapped up in that tiny piece of flesh, but there's hope. Your youth pastor up in Mount Juliet, Brian, his testimony, if you've heard it, he was going to kill himself. He was a young man, teenager. Had no friends, felt he had no worth. And a young woman named Brandy came into his life and she spoke words of comfort and love and acceptance to him. And it changed his life. And now he's a youth pastor at the fellowship. From what heart did her words come? We know the heart of Hitler and what came out of that. We know the heart of Jesus and what came out of that. Words are powerful because they reflect the condition of the heart. They can be destructive, but they don't have to be. Finally, let's look at verses 9 through 12. Words are defining. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. read a book not long ago that I was encouraged to read, a book called Your Best Life Now. And When I preach, I don't like to talk about other preachers or their theology or their philosophy. I just don't think that's a good thing to do. But I read the book, and there were a lot of positive words, a lot of encouraging things in there, a lot of good things in there. the thing I noticed about that particular book, there was no mention of the entire book of the cross or of the atonement. And the title of the book was Your Best Life Now. Now getting down to brass tacks with it, how do I have my best life now? And how do I have my best life moving forward as a husband, as a father, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a Christian? How do I have my best life? I won't have it without the cross. And I won't have it without the atonement. How do our words of our mouth Be everything that pleases God and edifies God and builds up the body of Christ and evangelizes the lost. And I think it's mostly found in Matthew 16, 24. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Now in that same group of people that told me Jesus is all about love and acceptance and I had to politely disagree, I had another disagreement. In that same group of people, someone who was a female person said to me, you're not calling me by my pronouns. You need to call me by my pronouns. I'm not a she, I'm not a her, I'm a they and a them. And everybody would kind of turn their attention to me to see what I'd say. And I said, I'm going to respectfully decline to do that. Why not, she said. I said, because that's not what you are. That's not what you are. There's my glasses. Where they went, I have no idea. Fig tree can't be an olive tree. Salt water can't be fresh water or vice versa until I agree with God about who he made me to be and what his purpose and plan is for my life. My words will never be sound and I will not be able to trust them to make right words for myself or write words for the lost and dying world that I am charged to share Christ with. And that's a hard truth, and people don't wanna hear it. Somebody from that group said, all they wanted you to do was call them by a different name. Why couldn't you just do that? I said, that's not all they wanted me to do. They wanted me to agree that something was true that wasn't true. And until I die to myself, and I realize who I am in Christ, and I take up my cross, And I follow him. Denying my preferences for his plan. Denying my desires for his design. I will never be able to trust the words of my mouth. Can we trust them? When we speak. When we post. When we sin. We hit sin on anything. Does it glorify God? And does it reflect his love in our lives? The things we say. Are they Philippians 4.8? Are they true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable? Are they excellent and worthy of praise? Jesus was preaching and everybody left. And by today's standard, and not a very successful sermon. But the disciples didn't leave. And Jesus said, everybody left. Why didn't you guys leave? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you have the words. You have the words of eternal life. Where will we go? Where will we go? used to tell my students at DCA God sent us a savior and he wrote us a letter without these things the condition of our heart and the words of our mouths will never be what our creator intended them to be holy words long preserved for our walk in this world they resound with God's own heart let the ancient words impart ancient words ever true they change me and they change you. We have come, church, with open hearts. Let the ancient words impart. As we ponder this passage from James 3, 1 through 12, as we know that the words of our mouth are a reflection of our heart, and as we know that the condition of our heart will never be right until we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ, I would ask you to consider today, if you're a believer, where is your heart with him today? And if you're not a believer, You can know today that if you repent of your sins and just trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the words of your mouth will not only be beneficial to you and yours, but to a whole lost and dying world because you'll be speaking for God. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be with the fellowship again today. God, the the ability to use words as a gift can be very destructive, but it can also be life giving. Father, help, help us to distinguish ourselves with words that reflect your truth. Father, help us to avoid the destruction that comes from words from a heart that is wayward from you. And Father, help us most of all to define ourselves in you by the condition of our hearts and the words we say. If there's one here today, Father, that needs to trust you as Lord and Savior, maybe for the first time, we ask it in Jesus' name that they would come, amen. Thank you, it was a privilege to be with you today.